0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. My name is
1: Mason, and I'm always joined by my co-host, Brian. Brian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. We got another victory in Week Three, and we're gonna discuss all the uh, all the things that happened uh, on that Sunday Night Football game, and and I'm excited for Week Four, and we're gonna get into that too. Yeah,
0: crazy how the season's already flying by. We're already, you know, talking about going on to Week Four, but I'm um, talking about Week Three here, Packers, with another huge victory against a big NFC contender, the New Orleans Saints, winning 37 to 30. Um, Packers kind of started off slow again, but, you know, that offense did not stop once, uh, once they caught their groove, even without Devontae Adams. They, you know, put up another 35 plus point performance, you know, putting our average at still over 40 points per game for this whole season. And that was even without, like I already said, Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard stepped up in a huge way. Bobby Tanyan stepped up in a huge way. This Packers offense was rolling. Um, only, only concern on my part was the you know, the defensive performance. We had a hard time stopping Alvin Kamara. Tackling was not there. Middle of the field was, again, another liability, even without Christian Kirksey, who's been a liability all year. But, yeah, Brian, what, are your, what were your thoughts while watching the game?
1: Well, my initial thoughts were kind of just, um, you know, that was a game that you felt the excitement uh, in the air. You felt it, uh, you know, as you're watching the game and and you felt how big it was and and how important it was going to end up being. And I feel like, you know, as the game went on, it it was clear that both of these teams are going to be, you know, going towards the end as two of the top teams in the NFC and, and competing for playoff spots. So that was my initial takeaway, and and we'll get into all the uh, all the offense and defense and and a couple injuries and things like that. But yeah, that was my initial thoughts.
0: Yeah, the first first thing that comes to my mind thinking about the game was just Alan Lazard's huge day: six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Honestly, could have been a couple other touchdowns. He had that that huge 71 yard catch where he got chased down behind by the safety, but huge day for him with especially with Devontae Adams being out having to go against that number one quarter, Marshawn Landamore. just kind of beat him up all day. MVS didn't have a big game, but, you know, Alan Lazard stepped up, and that's – he's showing us that he is our clear-cut number two receiver.
1: Yeah, I mean, he uh, he had a fantastic game. He was – he came up so big for the Packers when they needed somebody to step up. And like you said, Devontae Adams not playing – uh, it was, it was a scary thought to have to go into that game against a, a pretty good Saints defense, uh, with a lot of talent and, and not have the best wide receiver, uh, you know, in football, in my opinion, to not have him on the field. Uh, that's a, uh, that's a tough loss, but, but we were able to kind of, you know, mask that loss with a lot of different, uh, a lot of different concepts, a lot of different guys, Uh, and not just receivers catching the football out of the backfield catching the football you know close to the line of scrimmage and and making plays and and that was the key for our offense to have success without its maybe it's one of its best players
0: yeah the Packers offense really utilized that play action you know kind of bootleg to the right or bootleg to the left whatever it was and then you know hitting their tight end just kind of on like a little not a screen but a little short route Um, and you know there was open field for days. Robert Tynian had five catches, 50 yards, and that was pretty much – that was his whole whole game right there, just those wide-open bootlegs. Aaron was, you know, taking the easy shots, and we were getting, like, 15 yards per game. Then towards the end of the game, we got Jay Sternberger going on those two, and that was – I feel like that worked a lot for us, and that even – that opened big plays on the field. We saw those two to Alan Lazard that came off that same play action. It was just – you know, you got to do – you got to do something different without your top wide receiver. And I felt like we just kept the Saints defense guessing and that it it was just working for us all day.
1: Yeah. And, and it started with the ability to kind of, like you said, catch them off guard and and not let them know what we're doing. And I think that's, that really came from the personnel that we brought out, uh, really switching guys in and out and, and having guys that, uh, are in the backfield catching the football, like I said, and and just a lot of different conceptual stuff that that changed the game for the Packers offense, uh, and helped us kind of compete with another offense that was that was playing great football uh, on the other side.
0: Exactly. We haven't really seen Aaron Rodgers target the tight ends like he did, you know, in week ones and two, but he was eight for nine when targeting Sternberger, Lewis, and uh, Bobby Tanyan for. 103 yards and two touchdowns one to Mercedes and one to one to Bobby but that was just you know that's that goes directly towards you know Aaron Jones not really you know killing the Saints on the on the ground and Devontae Adams not being there that was that was good to see finally you know including some of these guys we've really been wanting to see like Jace and Mercedes and now Bobby Tanyan's kind of looking like a stud out there.
1: The tight ends were, were a huge factor in the game. And I think the collective effort of the tight end group, catching the ball out of the backfield is what kind of made up for the loss of Devontae Adams. I mean, uh, to start, like you said, uh, Robert Tanyan caught five balls uh, and and five balls were thrown to him. And you can't ask more from a tight end there, uh, a young guy who's coming into his own. Uh, You can't ask more from a guy like that. And, and he made a big impact on the game, including a touchdown. That's his second straight week with a touchdown. Um, And, and, those touchdowns at the goal line—they looked very easy for for Aaron Rodgers and and the one to Lazard and the one to Tanya. Uh, those looked very easy. And that's from Matt Lafleur scheming up those impressive goal line plays. And that's something that we have struggled with in the past, even this year a little bit. That red zone goal line offense, uh, where we're trying to get the ball in and we just you know we run it a couple times, we can't punch it in, and then they know we're going to throw it and we can't get it done. Uh, And this game, we made it look easy, and and that's very encouraging in terms of one of the only things that was kind of hindering us on offense. It was smooth. It was was very smooth, Uh, and and that was something that I thought had a big impact on the way we played and and the ability to score on those possessions.
0: Yeah, man, Matt LaFleur drew up two beautiful plays, both touchdowns, the the one to Lazard and the one to Bobby Taney, both, you know, both guys were wide open. Couldn't make it any easier for Aaron Rodgers you'd love to see that because after we saw that Alan Lazard 71 yard catch, when he got stopped around the three yard line, the saints actually held us three, three runs in a row. Um, And, you know, we were on the one yard line and we almost didn't capitalize off that huge play until, you know, Aaron Jones, finally on fourth down, um, got right past Cam Jordan with a nice block from Mercedes Lewis to um, score the touchdown. But yeah, that would have been a huge, huge swing in the game. And I hope, that definitely just showed that Matt Lafleur just has to keep being creative down in the, you know, the five yard line and, and fewer. Just because that's that's scary. If if Aaron Jones gets stopped there, that's Saints have all the momentum on their side, and a game could end differently.
1: Yeah, that like I said, that whole red zone offense was spectacular. Uh, we didn't have much of a problem getting it in in the end zone. Uh, and, and you mentioned that Aaron Jones, fourth down run, that was, a that's a lot of the times what, what Matt LaFleur likes to do. He likes to punch it in, uh, or, or just, you know, when it's a fourth and one, like that one at midfield, he does like to, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of defensive schemes are going to think, you know, we've got Aaron Rodgers uh, we're going to try to, you know, use our best weapon to, to move the chains. But a lot of the times Matt LaFleur just likes to, to give Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams the ball and, and do something conventional and basic and and just have them kind of get the ball moving and move the chains and, and then give Rodgers another chance to, to pass the ball on the other downs. So I, I do think uh, that was a big part of the reason why we won. And, and like you said, uh, if the, if some of those go differently, it, it changes the game.
0: One last thing I want to talk about the offense is just, you know, we've said this many times Devante was out, we were expecting big games from either Lazard and MVS. Obviously, Lazard had the huge game. MVS was only held to one catch for five yards. And after the game, he actually went on Twitter and said, boy, that 1-7 coverage ain't no joke. And was, was thinking baby Jesus that Devontae tweeted out that he'd be back soon. Um, that's, that just kind of shows that Lazard is probably our number two. And it looks like MVS even admitted himself he, can't, he couldn't handle that, you know, Marshawn Lattimore or um, Janoris Jenkins
1: coverage that was on him all day. He was getting a lot of a lot of the deep, uh, you know, his, a lot of the routes he runs are designed for him to go and, and catch a ball downfield, and that was getting taken a, away a lot by, uh, you know, not only the safeties but you know he had corners kind of playing playing off on him and, and playing soft coverage, so he wasn't getting that chance to beat a guy uh, at the line of scrimmage and run downfield and catch the football, so. He was, uh, he was limited in that capacity, but then you know that opened up a lot of stuff for Alan Lazard and the tight ends out of the backfield and, and in line at the line of scrimmage. So that was probably the, uh, one of the reasons why the Packers won because they chose to take away MVS and that big playability, and they still got it with Alan Lazard. So that was, a, that was a big factor as well. But another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, kind of the lack of that. the Like we saw in week one, It was a lot of touch pass stuff, a lot of, you know, handoffs to receivers on end arounds and things like that. And we didn't see that this week. Once again, we saw a lot of motion, um, more motion than in week two and kind of similar motion to what we saw in week one, but it wasn't utilized once again. So I, I do think that's, you know, Matt LaFleur is just switching it up. He's really, he's really being complex with the way he's calling these plays and and giving the Packers opportunities in future weeks to kind of pull those plays off because it's something they, don't do in these in these weeks in the past and then they'll come and actually give it to guys like Tyler Irvin or Alan Lazard on these end arounds and and they always break for big plays so it's just something that's preparing the Packers offense for for success in the future
0: yeah this week before I went with that I I felt like Tyler Irvin was motioning or you know faking a reverse almost every every play either if, if it was one of those tight end little little out routes that we're talking about that were always wide open or an Aaron Jones outside run. We were always trying to sell the Tyler Irvin sweep to the other side. It was, and I felt like it was worth being, I felt like that the whole offense line committed, you know, the opposite way, the way to, the way they wanted to trick the saints offense or the saints defense that to think the way that we were going. But that was, that's that was definitely a switch up because, you know, we only gave it to Irvin once and Lazard once on on a sweep. That was You know, week one, we gave it to him multiple times. And, you know, this week we went with that little tight end play. I felt I'm really happy with what Matt LaFleur is doing. He just keeps switching it up. And I know I'm I'm excited for next week. What are we going to do next week?
1: Well, like you said, a lot of that is is something that we can continue into the future, giving it to them more often or or, or continuing to fake them and and give the Packers offense uh, an advantage as the Saints defense tries to cover something that's not getting the football. Um, And I think that has a big impact in the same way on the play-action passes that we had so much much success on uh, this week against the Saints. I mean, we were phenomenal. And Aaron Rodgers, like always – sells it perfectly to the point where the defense has to give it respect. They have to give that running back the respect that he's going to get the football. And and it just opens up a lot of different routes for receivers in the middle of the field, closer to the line of scrimmage. And then it gives Rodgers a chance to get outside the pocket a little bit uh, and look for something deep as well. So the way we played it this week gave us a great, uh, a great opportunity for uh, big plays. And, And we saw those with those huge deep balls to Lazard Uh, and we're going to see that uh, in the coming weeks as we continue with that play action.
0: And Aaron Rodgers looked sharp again. He went 21 for 32, 283 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of his yards came up, came from deep balls too with Alan Lazard's 71 yard catch. He had a pretty sure he had a 40 plus yard catch earlier in the game as well. His deep ball was looking really pretty in those, you know, he's just executing those, those play actions super well, getting that tight end wide open and, Tight ends were doing a lot of work for him. You know, we saw Mercedes score a touchdown after, after Mike Tirico and Chris Collins were just, you know, hammering that that first round draft pick, um, that that first round draft pick narrative that you know Aaron's only throwing one touchdown to a first round pick, and then you know he goes to throw, throw another one to Mercedes Lewis right after they talked about it, and then you know throwing multiples to Lazard and Tanya and both undrafted guys. It was just pretty ironic that they bringing that up and then he throws one to Mercedes and then throws two to two undrafted guys.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I, I hate that narrative because, uh, we've gotten a lot of guys that like in the second round, uh, or other rounds that, and we've had fantastic receivers, um, in Rogers career. So, I mean, Donald driver was a seventh round pick. Randall Cobb was a second round pick. I mean, Devante was a second round pick. I mean, those guys are fantastic receivers in in his career, and, and we've always given him good weapons to throw to. Uh, of course, it would have been nice to have another guy to throw to that was going to be Devin Funches, and he opted out. Um, so it's tough for the front office when you know it's it's hard to acquire good players. It's it's not something you can just go and do easily. Um, so I, I mean, you do have to you know consider that. But uh, I thought that uh, that was an excellent play from from Mercedes to to go up and get that ball that was what Rogers loves the most. That's what, that's when you gain his trust the most. And obviously he has his trust, but Mercedes, w- when Rogers escaped the pocket, it was kind of like, uh, you know, he had either chance to run it or he could throw something and, and kind of, you know, whoever gets open for him in that, in that scenario is going to get the football and Mercedes did a great job of, of, you know, he finished that, that initial route that he was supposed to run for the play Rogers escaped the pocket. He's, he's looking for somebody to get open. Mercedes does a great job of, of getting, getting past that, uh, that corner that was covering him and, and getting in a position where he can jump up, grab that ball, and then, and then jump in the end zone. And I thought it was a fantastic play. Uh, but, you know, they, they talked about how there was a push-off. I didn't see that at all. He had his hand placed on the corner and just lifted it up there was no push. The corner didn't fall back. There was no there was no backward movement by the corner after the, after the hand was removed. It was just a fantastic play. And I don't know what they were seeing on the push-off. Uh, I don't know what that was about. There was nothing close and there was a reason they didn't call it. Uh, so I thought it was a fantastic play and one of the plays of the game for sure. Yeah, I didn't
0: see a push-off either, you know, whatsoever. It, it might have looked like it in real time, but watching the replay, it just looked like Mercedes kind of you know, had his hand out there, but didn't really push off whatsoever. So that was a clean touchdown. And speaking of penalties, after, you know, after Zadarius caused that fumble on Taysom Hill, the Saints defense caused huge, huge penalties, both under Norris Jenkins down, down towards the red zone. The one where he held Alan Lazard's whole, whole left hand when, um, on that free play, gave the Packers the ball at the one yard line. And, and then I'm pretty sure two plays after when Aaron was targeting MVS towards the, Left side of the end zone, he was he held the MVS as well. And that that just ran out the clock. That was the game sealer right there, and obviously the Packers were able to capitalize with a, I believe that was Bobby Tanyan's touchdown.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then and then you talk about you know the way they played there, and then the way the O line played. I thought that another fantastic performance from an offensive line that uh, that had to go up against one of the better front sevens in football. Uh, you know, they've got great pass rushers. Uh, they've got a lot of good players on that line and they were missing a couple guys, but they did have, you know, they've got a great line overall, uh, to combat what the Packers do on the offensive side. Uh, and we still kind of had a, had our way with them. Uh, the one sack that was allowed, uh, it was just a free rusher and, and we had our guys covered and, and they just blitz somebody. And, and that was early in the game. Uh, but overall the protection was fantastic. David Bakhtiari looks as good as he's ever looked. Um, Corey Lindsley looks fantastic. Uh, Elton Jenkins was phenomenal as well. And, and, you know, Bill Turner had a bit of a a tough time out there at right tackle. And, and I'm pretty sure they made the switch at some point. Uh, I don't know what, I'm not sure what happened, but I was reading that, uh, that Rick Wagner did get in the game at some point. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I, I didn't notice. Uh, but I think that right side of the line is better when Rick Wagner's out there. Uh, so I'd like to see them make that move going forward, but, um, but yeah, I thought I thought overall the O line was phenomenal once again, and the Packers have only allowed two sacks in three games. I mean that's ridiculous. So uh, it's important to keep Rodgers healthy, especially as he's getting older, uh, and and we need him now more than ever. So I mean I just thought it was a great performance, and we need it.
0: Yeah, and PFF even deemed both uh both sacks that we've had against Aaron Rodgers not the O line's fault. So. You know, according to PFF, the O line has not allowed a single sack all year within three games. Right. Yeah. This is just going to make the off season even harder. David Bakhtiari, like you said, is playing some of his best football ever. Corey Lindsley, you know, as of last week, I don't know about this week, was PFF's number one center. Uh, This is going to make it really difficult. We got a bunch of guys to resign on that offensive line, and you know, Aaron Jones, Kevin King. We're this is going to be tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley are some of the league's best O linemen. Uh, And I think we see that every week with the way Rodgers hard count, uh, you know, we're able to get that every week and, and it's because our O-line is able to not commit false starts and not commit penalties. Uh, The fact that they're able to stay in there strong uh, while Rodgers gets that hard count and and gets guys all week long. I mean, that's, that's just, that's impressive enough with all the hard counts Rodgers has and and just their ability to have an easy time. Uh, you know, getting through those hard counts and then being able to, you know, stop these defenders from, from getting to the quarterback. uh, That's just impressive. And they do a great job in the run game as well. So uh, both of those guys, they should be in green Bay for as long as they, as long as they can play.
0: Speaking of the hard count, it just reminded me, I believe it was in the first quarter, Aaron got one of the saints defenders to jump and um, he was about to, you know, do what he always does, try to chuck it downfield, but that's the ref blew it dead and he, he had the angriest look on his face that I've seen in a long time. He was pissed that the refs blew that dead.
1: I know what he he um, he thought that. Uh, uh, well, the the refs had told him that they thought the the right tackle uh, made the move originally, and that it was going to be a false start. But then the referees convened uh, and, and agreed that what that it was a, uh, a neutral zone infraction. So that ended up. Uh, it would have been a free play if if uh, if they didn't originally think it was a false start. That's why they blew it dead. Um, but uh, like I said, those free plays are so crucial to what we do, uh, and it's just part of Rogers' excellence, his football IQ, uh, and his his ability to catch defenses. I mean, and the one thing we haven't done yet is is the t- uh, the twelve men on the field. That's something we haven't done yet. It, all we've had to do is is get guys off sides. Um, and Rodgers hasn't even utilized that 12 man call yet. So, I mean, we've got a lot of, uh, of ways to catch defenses and then get a chance at a, at a huge play, give Rodgers free reign to throw it to whoever, you know, he wants deep down the field. And it could be an interception and it could be called back for a five yard penalty, or it could be a touchdown, uh, you know, and, and that just turns into a huge play for us. So, uh, that's obviously a huge impact on what we do and, and how we have success on offense.
0: Yeah, that's been a staple of his game for his pretty much his whole career, and I think that the twelve man thing—we haven't caught any defenses with twelve men on the field yet this year. It's probably—I mean, there's no fans in the stadium, or you know, barely any uh, under a thousand, so the you know communication probably goes easier for the for the defensive side. that can, there's no more like mix-ups. Like, you know, the linebacker can hear the defensive coordinator pretty clearly and get you know get everybody in position in and time, and make sure that everybody's on the field that needs to be. That's probably. It's probably the reason, but you know, there's still thirteen more weeks. We can definitely catch someone, someone lacking.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point about the communication. But there's always teams trying to get in and out of personnel, um, and like you said, most of the time that happens when there's a miscommunication. Rogers catches somebody that shouldn't be on the field, um, and then they're trying to figure out whether they should go in the huddle or, or they should, uh, or they should be running back off the field or whatever the case is. That's like a lot of the times when Rodgers notices it. But there's always the times as well where he kind of just hurries up to the line, sees guys are being slow out of the huddle or, or out of the last play, and then he just snaps the ball and there's 12 men, and he knows exactly what to do and, and does that same thing that he would do on an offsides sides call. So I do think we'll see that at some point. Uh, it's just another weapon that the Packers can pull out to give them an advantage. All right, Brian,
0: now let's get to the other side of the ball. Um, obviously, the Packers' offense was – phenomenal again but the defense was this was the worst we've seen him yet 100 percent. i felt like the tackling was the worst we've seen in a long time i think that that alva camara screenplay where i think he broke like six tackles was some of the worst tackling i've seen since i think i think it was 2011 when Garrett blunt absolutely demolished our defense for like a 50 yard run breaking like seven or eight tackles that was that's, what, that's exactly what was running through my mind when I was watching Alvin Kamara, Just <laughs> having Packer players just bounce right off of him. Just uh, that was that was the one thing that stuck in my mind. But you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Zadarius, you know, he he made the play of the game. That that Taysom Hill fumble was huge. Got his own recovery, set us up to you know run five more minutes off the clock and you know go up by ten and give the Saints back the ball, <laughs> having to having to score twice. And that was you know, that's all you need at the end of the day, just one big play. And, you know, Zedarius was the, was the guy to do it.
1: I mean, wow. Right. Like what a crazy defensive performance. Um, the tackling was so bad. It's, it was, it was almost, it was almost encouraging in a weird way, because I feel like that's something that's so abnormal and that we can correct. Um, I feel like we would have been in a better position, you know. Like we make one extra tackle on one play, like that Kamara touchdown. If Will Redmond makes that tackle, it's a loss of two yards. I mean, and it turned into a touchdown. Uh, just a couple tackles extra, and we're probably winning by a lot more points. So I just—it's uh, a little encouraging because of how you know that's really the source of how bad we played on defense was because of those tackles. But at the same time, you know they weren't throwing downfield in the slightest. And when it was downfield throws, they looked slow. They were, you know, low throws. Brees was having a tough time and he was forced and he has been forced to relegate to throwing short passes, uh, you know, and, and that set us up for success from the beginning because they weren't going to be able to move the ball downfield. Uh, but the tackling was the thing. And and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Christian Kirksey went out early Uh, and he never came back and he's going to be out for a few weeks. So, I mean, and he, like you said earlier in the, in the show here, he hasn't been great. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't play last year, so he's got some rust, but he just has not been good. He's been bad in coverage. He's been better in tackling, uh, but he's been bad in coverage and it's been a problem. We don't have a good enough middle linebacker at this moment to continue to play football highly at a high level, excuse me on the defensive side, you know, Ty Summers is, is is wearing the green dot right now. And I don't know if we can live with that and and be as successful as we want to be. And we're going to get into all that too. But you know, another injury we saw was Rashawn Gary. He ended up going out uh, at one point in the game. We're not sure what his uh, injury is. He only played 19 snaps uh, and then went out. So I'm not sure what the length of his injury is. We don't know exactly yet. Um, but we're definitely going to have to figure out who's going to be able to step up uh, and play at a high level in the absence of those guys.
0: The Kirksey injury leaves us with Ty Summers, Chris Barnes, and Orrin Burks at middle linebacker. That's very worrisome. We, you might have heard on the broadcast that that was Ty Summers' first ever defensive snap—the uh, moment he came in for for Kirksey. He he was only a special teamer. You know, he obviously played in preseason last year. But that was his first ever defensive snap, and he was, you know, our, the guy with the green dot, like you said, calling the plays, leading the defense. That was, I mean, he didn't do too bad, but he some of the ta- he missed a couple tackles, had a couple good tackles on Kamara, but I mean, can you really trust that for the for a couple weeks here? We don't really know how long Kirksey's going to be out, but I mean, and we know Oren Burks hasn't really had much experience either, and. Chris Barnes is was an undrafted free agent this year, and he's he's been playing pretty good. But still, it's his only it's only gonna be his fourth game next week, and he hasn't seen much playing time whatsoever. It's it's very worrisome, especially you know we signed Kirksey for that exact reason to fix our problem in the middle. After after letting Blake go, Kirksey was gonna be our guy, and now we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to go with Summers, Barnes, and Burks. Um,
1: Brian, who do you think is gonna be the guy? I don't know. I mean, that's <sighs> I, I, I miss Blake a lot. I mean, at least he was healthy and dependable. And, and I mean, it's not like he was so bad that we couldn't play with him. I mean, you know, he had a command on our off on our defense, excuse me, uh, you know, calling the plays and, and he was a sure tackler in the run game. Um, So, I mean, you know, I it's not like it's not like we were definitely upgrading with Kirksey. Uh, and especially now that he's out, I mean, we might have to look for some outside help. Uh, In fact, I think we do uh just because of of how important that position is and and we can't be going out there with guys that just haven't played you know for us there and expect to be able to win games uh, against offenses like the Saints on a consistent basis i mean they did play better as the game went on later in the fourth quarter i thought the tackling got better uh you know i think burks had a nice tackle uh on on kamara Barnes made a couple nice tackles in the fourth quarter. Summers had a few. Uh, so the, the game got better for them, and that was encouraging. And that helped. that We got that three and out uh, at, at, on that last Saints drive. When we got that, um, on, on that second to last Saints drive, uh, that, that was uh, encouraging because we kind of made plays on defense there to, to put our offense in position to win, which we ended up doing. So I do think we got to bring somebody in because we've got three guys there and, and they've all been, you know, young guys that haven't played much. So we do have to bring somebody in. But for now, it's going to have to be those three.
0: No, luckily, we got a bye weekend after this Atlanta game here. But, yeah, I agree with you. If Kirksey is expecting to miss miss a lot of time and and if Summers, Barnes, and Burks don't play well whatsoever next week, we we got to do something. That, that's just a that's such an easy game plan for any offense. Just, you know, attack the middle. If, if you got guys like that that aren't playing well, missing starters, at just just attack the middle. And we're going to have to address that 100% if, if none of those guys can step up. But going back to what you said on that that second-to-last Saints drive, it was, I believe it was a third and five, Channon Sullivan absolutely blew up Alvin Kamara on that. They, they had a design kind of screen pass towards the left. I think Alan Kamarachi lined up as a as a slot receiver, and they had, he had two blockers in front of him, and Chena Sullivan just absolutely blew that up. And, you know, that that allowed us – that we were up three at the time, and that allowed us to, you know, drive the field again and pretty much put an end to the game because I'm pretty sure that's when Bobby Tanyan's touchdown happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our, I mean, our corners played lights out, but I, I think our safeties – um, including Savage, Amos, and especially Will Redmond were a huge problem with our with our tackling issue that we had last week. Well, just weren't wrapping up, or you know,
1: kind of getting caught in, in weird angles in the first. I was course- just gonna say taking bad angles was a lot of the uh, on that first run. That's probably what you were just gonna say that you know Amos took an awful angle. I mean, and and he was just he just forced to, he was forced to turn around and chase Alvin Kamara in a race that he was never gonna win. Uh, that was an issue right away, that the angles that both of those guys took um, on Kamara all game were, were rough. I mean, Adrian Amos has to play better. I mean, we signed him to a, a huge contract. Uh, you know, he's 27. He's He played great with the Bears. He played great for us last year, but he's got to play better football. I mean, we can't have both of those guys, Savage and Amos, struggling, because then our deep passing game on defense is going to open up, and, and that's a problem. We can't allow these big plays. And Will Redmond, I I do not understand how he sees the field for thirty five snaps against the Saints on primetime. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. We've got a guy in Raven Green that played six snaps, and Will Redmond continues to see the field. I don't understand it. He's just not a good football player. He's not a good defensive player. He's a, he's a good special teamer, and that's it. That's the limit we can take for him. I mean, he he we we have him for special teams. I don't know what Mike Petton sees in, in him on defense. I don't know if Matt Lafleur is is you know ready for for what the, what's going on there. I mean, I don't know what the situation is with Raven Green. I I mean he's he plays he's on the field for six snaps. He's he's a much better guy for for the spot of of that nickel linebacker type, uh, that defensive back body that they're looking for inside the middle with next to whoever's playing uh, at inside linebacker. I mean. That's a problem. Will Redmond is a legitimate problem for us uh, on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Oh, he's a liability, one hundred percent. He was the he was at fault for both of Alan Kamara's big plays. In the first quarter, like you were just talking, that 40 that yard run, Will Redmond was there. He was he just he got lost. I think he just got lost in the traffic, and then boom, Alan Kamara shot out that hole, and then Adrian yeah, Adrian Amos kind of, you know, took a terrible angle and kind of stumbled and Alvin Kamara was off to the races. Thank God Jair came from the other side of the field to slow him down at least. And, you know, they were able to tackle him, but still after 40 yards. And then, and then like you were saying, again, the, the, the huge Alvin Kamara play, the, the, the most embarrassing play I've seen in a long time, the, the huge 55 yard catch for a touchdown. He was, you said, you said, it. he had him behind the line. It would have been a, a, a negative play. But you know he missed a tackle, and then Ty Summers missed a tackle, and then all of a sudden Eric McCoy is in front of El Camara, and then Jair tries to hit stick him, bounces right off. Amos and Savage can't make the tackle, and that obviously that that whole thing happened. And I, I just oh well, my
1: goodness, I, I
0: hate talking about it, but yeah, that was I, I just, <laughs> why why can't we put like we, we got so many guys on the roster that could do better than Will
1: Redman, like you said. They, McKe-
0: you know what they like.
1: They like that he's in position to make plays, but he never makes he the make plays. He, he never makes make? the plays. They like that he gets in the position to make those tackles or or whatever the case is. He just never makes the plays. And he just and, and when he's not in position, it's because he's he's just completely off, you know, off the ball and, and he's just not in the right spot. I don't know what it is. I I really you know, somebody asked him that, uh, Matt LaFleur, somebody asked him about that and, and he said he they evaluate that every week. Maybe they'll switch it up, but this week was a, a a perfect display of of why he should not be on the field on defense. I remember watching last year when they had put him just at safety when, when either – I guess when Savage was injured for the time. I mean, goodness gracious, it was so obvious. Uh, like, he just – he allowed run after run, you know, get by him, and that's in, in the safety in the secondary. I mean, and, and the deep balls were flying – it, I mean, he's just a legitimate problem. Not to harp on this on this too much, but I mean, he's 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 a problem and he's a liability. But somebody who is absolutely not a liability, and you mentioned it, uh, was Jair. I mean, he is just playing fantastic football. He looks like one of the best corners in the NFL. He's he has such a huge impact on the game. He he shuts down whoever's in his way, and uh, and he even you know makes up for some of the plays that other guys like Will Redmond aren't making. He's just playing fantastic.
0: He is. And I didn't, I didn't mean to bash on him on that Alvin Kamara run. Cause Alvin Kamara should have definitely been tackled by either Summers or, or Redmond behind the line of scrimmage. But that, that dude's a sure tackler though. I mean that dude, I mean, if, if it's him one-on-one with somebody that just caught the ball, he is, he's tackling him at the spot, no matter what. I mean, and, and he's shutting down this guy in coverage too. We are literally watching a top five corner be developed in front of our eyes and it's and it's crazy. I, I, I love it. And just to go back on one more thing with Will Redman, we, we've drafted so many guys that can play the same position. Vernon Scott, Kadar Hallman, or even in the second round, Josh Jackson. Can, can we throw
1: Oh my okay. gosh. Josh Jackson did I mean that play that he had in week two at the end of the game against the uh, against the Lions, that pass breakup, I mean, you know, that's a phenomenal play. He, he's right there with a, with a great receiver, uh, and, and he makes that pass break up there, and I thought that would get him some more playing time, and we didn't see it. I mean, he's great. He's great near the line of scrimmage. He's, he's one of those guys that he's not a burning fast guy, uh, but he's physical, and, and I think that would help in the run game because of how physical he is. He's even physical when he's covering guys outside uh, as a corner. So I, I think he would be a good player to play that nickel linebacker spot because he can do a lot of things in coverage against tight ends and running backs, and he's, he's probably going to be a physical guy in the run game, and that's all they, that's all they can ask out of the guy that's playing in that spot. So, I mean, he's the guy for sure that I would say, if you're not going to put Raven Green there, who's the perfect body type for that, put Josh Jackson there. Get him on the field. He's got so much talent, and he's shown that he can play at this level. I mean, put him on the field because otherwise he doesn't get on the field as much. And Will Redmond is seeing half the snaps. It's ridiculous. I mean, dude, we drafted
0: him in the second round three years ago. I mean, this dude has to be ready by now. I mean, even if it isn't for a starting corner spot that, that Will Redmond role, whatever the, whatever role that is, I feel like you could just try Josh Jackson there. Just, it's been three years. He has to be developed by now. Look at, look at Jair. Jair was taken in the same draft. Um, a lot of people thought Josh Jackson was actually the better corner going into that draft. Obviously that's not the case, but still, why why can't we try him? Will Redmond was a he was also a second round pick a couple of years ago and he, he got released I'm pretty sure in his second year with with the Niners. I mean Josh Jackson is in the same boat. Will Redmond is not working out. Just just throw Josh Jackson in there or even like like you said Raven Green is the perfect fit there too. Just a box safety, kind of Adrian Amos body type, just just all right. I'm I'm tired of talking about it. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm yeah. I mean, well, it's hard to. I mean, it's tiring to talk about this defense overall. Uh, but let yeah, let's move on to the pass rush because I thought it was. You know, I, I didn't like the way that we played. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I feel like Z and Preston haven't been, you know, as good as what they were for us last year so far. And I know Z had that big uh, – obviously he had that big fumble against Taysom Hill, former Packer. Um, but other than that, I mean, he just – he's been – I don't know if it's because he's getting taken away by the defenses, but he's getting double teamed a lot, that's for sure. Uh, but Preston's just not having the same impact that he had last year. He's just not getting to the quarterback. Uh, and we're not – and we're, we're at, at the league bottom in pressures against the quarterback so far in three weeks. We're near the bottom of the league. Um, but the one guy that showed up, uh, you know, was Kingsley Kiki. He had two sacks and, and he had a huge impact on, on what we did in the pass rush and and we needed him to step up with Kenny Clark out, uh, Dean Lowry playing, you know, not great football, uh, Montrevious Adams, not playing good, uh, Tyler Lancaster is probably playing decent enough to fill Kenny Clark's spot, but somebody needs to get to the quarterback and, and help stop the run. And so far it's been Kingsley Kiki.
0: I think we definitely found our hero with Kenny Clark out. Kingsley Kiki he, he, both sacks were pretty impressive and he actually that that first one he stripped Drew Brees too that would have been a that would have been a huge swing in the first half right there but yeah um once once Kenny gets back I mean I'm it's hopeful I mean we got Montrevious Adams lining up at defensive tackle a lot but once we get Kenny back I definitely think we should keep Kiki out there um I mean have your pick at Lancaster or Lowry I mean I mean, none of those two are really big difference makers. But to go back on your uh, your Smith brothers little problem here. I mean, Zedarius is playing great, I feel like. I mean he, he had two sacks, one in week one, one in week two, and then, you know, pretty much had the play of the game on defense this week. It's just Preston has kind of disappeared. I mean, last week I mean last year week three, I'm pretty sure he won defensive player of the week with three sacks against the Broncos. And now now at this time of the year he's I know he hasn't even you know, touched the quarterback yet? It's it's definitely concerning. And you know, Rashawn Gary, once he's healthy, I mean, he had, he had that game last week with one and a half sacks. I mean, I mean, the Packers are going to have dis- some decisions, but I mean, I think I think they're good decisions because we we're, we're having we're having trouble thinking of who to put on the field, who's going to be more productive. Because we obviously know Preston Smith is. You know, he's capable of having 12 sack seasons like he did last year. And now we got a young guy like Rashawn and King Zakiki to put at defensive end. I mean, I, I feel like we can, we can only go up from here, honestly.
1: Well, like you said about Z, he's playing great football because he's one of the greatest defensive players in the league. But he's not playing to his standards, which are, you know, pressuring the quarterback on every snap. Uh, getting to the quarterback, you know, hitting the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, and and having a bigger impact on the game, he's getting taken away. I mean, he he's getting double teamed a lot, and and that wasn't as much of a problem last year as it is now. Uh, he's he's not having as big of an impact on the game at all times like he did last year because teams are doing whatever it takes to put him away. Um, and and you would think Preston would get a better opportunity and, and to have free rushing to the to the quarterback. They've been putting him in coverage a lot too often for me. I mean, you know, he's 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 a bit more dynamic than Z in that way, obviously. Z is more of a guy that's just going to rush the quarterback. Um, but Preston, you know, we saw him, you know, in Washington get off the ball a lot and get off the line of scrimmage and try to cover guys a lot. And now they're having him do that more this year than ever. Uh, and I don't think that's the right direction to be going. And he should be rushing the quarterback more. um, and I think they should be putting, you know, if a guy's going to go out there and run, it should be Rashawn Gary, who's got ridiculous speed and is one of the fastest guys on the field when he's out there. So, I mean, if the, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if Mike Pettin is utilizing these guys in the best way possible. I don't know if Zedarius being the rover uh, a lot of times, which is where he's kind of playing where Kenny Clark would play and he's got ability to rush wherever he likes. I'm not sure that's the best spot for him either. I mean, I'm just not sure the way that Mike Petton is deploying these guys is, is the best for the way we can get to the quarterback. And it was last year, but this year teams are starting to figure it out, and, and we are not having answers for either of those guys to be able to get to the quarterback in response to what uh, offenses are doing against us.
0: I mean, do you think Mike Petton's kind of playing a little, little relaxed towards the pass rush because of our secondary, just because we're struggling? Both safeties are struggling, and obviously our – um, or the middle of the field obviously isn't as strong as we want it to be. Do you think, you know, we're not sending as many guys on the pass rush as we, as we were last year, maybe because of that reason. I mean, our corners are locking down people. It's just, you know, that middle of the field has always been a problem. And I don't know if if Mike's scared to, you know, send five or six guys on, you know, on a pass rush and only have five guys covering.
1: I, I really don't know what it is. All right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to fire Mike Pettin. I'm not saying, you know, he should be fired. Obviously, we're 3-0. But it's it's gotten worse. I mean, we've got talent. We've got guys. I mean, like you said, those guys are struggling in the back end. Adrian Amos and Savage and Will Redmond when he's in there half the game for whatever reason. They're struggling, and it's a problem. And we're not blitzing as much. Statistically, you look at it we're not blitzing as much. And for whatever reason, it doesn't open up guys to get sacks and and hit the quarterback. And we're just not pressuring guys as much. And it starts with Blake not being there because that was a big part of what he does for that defense. He was a guy that they would have him rush the quarterback and, and he would get sacks, you know? Uh, And that was a big reason why he was productive. Uh, And and he's not there now. They didn't pay him. And Christian Kirksey, he's not as good at that as Blake is and he, we we got him to be a guy that can you know get guys in the running game tackled the same kind of way that Blake can which Kirksey was doing a decent job at that he he, he was he's leading us in tackles up to last game and and I'm not sure how that's going to be now with him being out for a few weeks and but instead of him being able to rush the quarterback like Blake does he's been the guy that is expected to cover Uh, better, you know, in the middle of the field against tight ends and running backs. And that hasn't been the case. And that's been an issue because he can't, you know, he's not a pass rusher like Blake could be, and he's not covering uh, guys in the middle of the field like Blake wasn't able to do as well. Um, And that's where we expected him to kind of help our defense. And that's a problem too. And now he's out and it's going to be even bigger of a problem. And Mike Penton just hasn't been blitzing for a lot of those reasons, but it's made us a worse defense overall because our guys aren't getting deployed in the right way. And our secondary is left to kind of fend for themselves uh, and cover guys for a long time because our pass rush isn't getting home. So all those things put together are, are it's a recipe for a struggle against some of these better football teams like the Saints. I mean, when they're passing the ball short and it's, you know, it's not a lot of time goes by and, and we don't have enough time to get there, uh, that's when you got to start kind of blitzing guys a little bit because we need to realize that the time to get to the quarterback is reduced when Drew Brees is throwing screens and throwing guys short passes in the middle of the field on the outside, quick outs, things like that. We've got to get to the quarterback quicker, and that starts with blitzing. And uh, I don't know if we have the personnel to do it anymore. And I don't know if Mike, Mike Petton is deploying them in the right way, regardless.
0: I mean, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you for most of that. I mean, especially against the saints offense that, you know, Drew Brees is not a mobile quarterback whatsoever. I mean, pretty Kings of Kiki sacks were pretty much all him just kind of bull rushing. And, you know, Drew Brees held onto the ball, maybe a second too long and, you know, Kiki got to him, but, I felt like we, Mike Penn could have drawn drawn something up there to you know get Z free, get Rashawn free for a sack, any like anything, and he didn't. And I felt like we were just playing kind of prevent defense against these short, intermediate routes that were that were still eating us up because we couldn't tackle. I mean, I felt like we were just letting every letting these plays kind of just develop in front of us and you know stop them for short gains, and obviously some of them are gonna break free, and you know of course they did. I mean, both. Both Kamara's big plays. I mean, they had a couple. I mean, the one to Cook was like for 15 yards. They had a couple of those Sanders for 10-plus yards. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you think we do if, if Mike Penton can't really, you know, turn this around? Because we're obviously 3-0, and and you can't fire a defensive coordinator when, you got, <laughs> when you're on top of the league like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I don't know. It's, it's such a puzzling situation. And I know we're going long here on this conversation, but I mean, it's it's something we got to discuss. Like, is it something where we have to go get another guy, another playmaker on defense, or is it? I mean, that what Matt, Mike Patton's not changing anything. I mean, he's he's gonna stick to his ways. That's the problem. I don't know what I don't know what we have to do. And even if I, you know, we talk about a playmaker, like I'm not sure what we need or who we need. I don't think we need another pass rusher necessarily. I mean, I think we need a middle linebacker. Um, but that's not going to help our pass rush as much as we need it to be improved. And our secondary, obviously, you know, we could use a we could use a dynamic guy that can cover guys in the middle of the field and play that nickel nickel linebacker spot a little bit better than guys like Redmond and even Raven Green. I mean, that's probably the number one thing we need. But even then, our pass rush needs to play better and get to the quarterback. So I'm not sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's Mike Pettin, but like I said, they're not making that move as we approach maybe one of the best seasons Rodgers has ever had. Our offense is humming. I mean, I don't know what we're gonna do to to correct these issues.
0: And just to be clear, we're not saying that we want Mike Pettin fired because that's super outlandish, especially after this start. I mean, he's we're just we're just pointing out some flaws that we see. Um, obviously Mike Penn's not going to get fired this year unless total disaster happens. And we're just, we're just saying like, Hey, he's maybe not using what he has to his full advantage. I mean, we're not giving him a lot of gifts in the middle of the field, but still we have a top five corner Jair. We have a top five pass rusher in Z- and Zadarius. Preston and Rashawn could both get out for the quarterbacks with ease. I mean, and, and Kenny Clark, I know he's hurt right now, but Kenny Clark is a monster in the middle there. We we gave him a lot of pieces, and what Brown was pretty much saying is just we're not using him correctly, and we we want to see him get used correctly because we can we can turn this defense into a and into a better unit if if we do so.
1: I mean, I think it starts with the fact that we just refuse to stop the run um, because we put a guy like Will Redmond in the game, <laughs> we just can't stop the run. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem too. I uh, I don't know. Exactly what we have to do. I mean, it seemed like the way we're talking about this, it seems pretty clear. Mike Pettin's the problem, but I don't know how clear that really is because, at the same time, we have a ton of personnel. Like we can't ask for much better personnel to give him. We've got two of the league's best corners. Uh, our safeties, you know, we got a young safety in Darnell Savage, but he's a first round pick. Adrian Amos is on a huge contract. He's one of the league's better safeties. uh You know, the only situation that could be better is is that middle linebacker spot and the guys inside next to kenny clark other than that we've got some of the league's best players um so i don't know i mean it's is it about just that's our flaw and mike petten can't do anything else about it or is it because we play the pass at such a you know he plays against the pass he doesn't play against the run he plays against the pass i mean that's the situation so Maybe that's it in itself, but I'm not sure.
0: And that's how it's always been. I mean, last year against the Niners, he didn't adjust whatsoever. Let Raheem Moisture just absolutely dominate us. And and we kind of saw Al Kamara and Latavius Murray do the same thing. But now with, like, short intermediate passes, we were – I mean, Drew Brees, is, we knew for a fact that Drew Brees was not going to throw deep. And I just felt like he was covering for the deep ball that was never going to come. I mean, just why play everything at – in front of you when you know it's going to be in front of you just just be a little more aggressive and I mean that game could have we we could have held them to maybe like 20 points if it wasn't for just letting Drew Brees dink it to Elvin Kamara all day and just letting him do his own thing because Elvin Kamara is not easy to tackle and that's kind of what Mike Penton was making our defense do
1: all right let's move on That that was a long conversation about our defense so let's move on to so this game that we've got coming up before the bye week, we've got a Monday night showdown with the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, the quarterback, uh, versus Aaron Rodgers. Another team that has had our number in the past at times, especially in the playoffs. And and Julio Jones has always given us fits. And his injury status is in question. Um, so you know we've got a lot to talk about with this game. What are your initial thoughts, Mason? Um, you know for what this game's going to look like.
0: Just first of all, the Falcons are the most confusing team I have seen in a long time. They that offense is super high powered on with their weapons. I mean, Matt Ryan is a former MVP just four years ago. Um, I've always thought Julio Jones was the best wide receiver in football, and then you know they got Calvin Ridley now, who's in my opinion, him and him and Julio make up the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Kevin Ridley is second in the NFL in receiving yards and tied for the league lead in receiving touchdowns. It it just doesn't make sense that they're zero three. Obviously, they're they're being memed on all over all over social media for blowing those. You know, you know, the last two games they blew huge leads in the fourth quarter, both to Dallas and Chicago. It's just it's confusing. There, I I feel like Dan Quinn is just just kind of he, he needs to get fired ASAP because. They cannot hold on the leads. They, and I feel like they have the firepower to you know compete with anybody. But um, I mean, <laughs> these these three games haven't been doing any justice to Dan Quinn. He's and this. I mean, and that defense is also atrocious. They are they're allowing the most points in the NFL right now, and and the thirty first most passing yards, thirty first most total yards right now. It's it's not looking good for Atlanta. It's just it's just super confusing with the amount of talent they have on offense. Needless to say, they have Todd Gurley now at running back too. It's just, it, I mean, I feel like this game against the Packers is gonna be, it's gonna be closer than people think. Maybe maybe just high scoring, both teams scoring a bunch of points. It's it's just I'm I'm so confused of what's going on in Atlanta. It's just they're they're good. It's just they're not winning games.
1: Yeah. I mean, they've, well, one, one problem just arose for them, their corner, Darquiz Denard, and he's probably one of their best corners. He just went on IR. He made that pick against Nick Foles last week, that very impressive pick where he stole the ball from Alan Robinson on what everybody thought was a touchdown uh, and got that interception. Um, and yet, you know, now they're out They're without him and their secondary is even worse. Um, So, I mean, that's – if you're talking about a team that the Packers can score on, it's this one. I mean, the Packers are doing it to the Vikings, Lions, and Saints, and now they're playing maybe the worst secondary in all of football. You know, this is a great chance for Rodgers to have a good game. Devontae could be back. You know, that's another boost. Um, And the fact that they are still employing Dan Quinn is questionable, obviously. Um, And now, considering they've, for three weeks in a row – lost football games that if that they've had chances to win um especially the last two which were comebacks from you know single digits uh you know the the teams they were playing against were at single digits and and they went on to uh score like 20 straight points in both games and lose those games at the last second which seems to be something they do at a high rate nowadays um I mean yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's one of those matchups where their offense is so good that it could be a problem for the Packers because our defense doesn't look fantastic right now. And at the same time, our offense is looking so good and we might get Demonte Adams back. Uh, and this defense is so bad that they're playing against that. It might be uh one of those situations where it's a really high scoring game and it could be trouble for the Packers. Who knows?
0: Yeah, this has, this has shootout potential written all over it. I mean, like I said earlier, the Falcons are allowing the, the most points per game, um, thirty six a game, and the Packers are average, obviously averaging forty point seven points per game. It's, it, wow! I mean, this has yeah. Like I said, this is going to be a battle. This is that an offensive battle, I should
1: say, because it could yeah, it could be a fun game to watch as like a fan. I mean, that's that's you're talking about high powered offenses going at defenses that are injured and, you know, not playing their best football. We could see a big statistical game from Rodgers this week. And obviously that would propel him even further into the MVP conversation, which he's fully entrenched in. So, and Matt Ryan, you know, with Julio, if he's healthy, we don't know if he's going to be healthy, but even without Julio in the same way that, you know, the Packers without Devontae Adams, they still have great offensive success. Um, So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that game. I mean, offensively, both teams are going to be playing good football. So that's going to be interesting.
0: And just to touch on the Falcons secondary, um, I didn't know before this podcast that Darko Denard was on IR. That just makes everything worse because last week they had the, the first NFL player that tested positive for COVID-19, um, A.J. Terrell. He couldn't play against the Bears because of that reason. And they also were missing – starting free safety, Ricardo Allen, and, and another corner, Kendall Sheffield. They were just – they're just absolutely depleted in that secondary. And it's it's just going to be a field day for Aaron, hopefully. I mean, it was a field day for Nick Foles last week once he got in. He, he threw 180 Nick yards. Nick Foles,
1: yeah. 180 yards yep. and one half.
0: And, and let a 20-point comeback. Like, yeah, this – I mean, I'm excited. I mean, I think any football fan should be excited because um, this has – both teams scoring thirty plus points, written all over it. I mean, I, I know maybe
1: I, this is the game for Jordan Love. Maybe this is his time to shine.
0: If he even suits Tim, maybe. No, I'm Tim <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, no, yeah, this is Tim Boyle's game to shine. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, this is a uh, this is gonna be a high scoring game. Who knows? Maybe Tim Boyle does get some snaps if if the Packers get up to a high enough lead. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Jordan Love, I doubt suits up for any game this year. But yeah, that was just a just a joke. But I do think Rodgers is gonna have a great game and a great chance to score a lot of points for this offense. Even if Devontae Adams is out again. Um the offense played at a high level against the um against the uh, Saints and I, I think that's gonna continue against the worst defense.
0: Yeah, and I mean, are the Falcons defensive troubles because they've had huge leagues huge leads and, you know, opposing offenses have had to throw on them. And plus week one, they played against Russell. But still, I mean, if you're, they're allowing the 30s, 32nd most points allowed, which is obviously last in the league. And 31st in total yards allowed. That's, I mean, this defense is going to (laughs) get, hopefully Aaron just utilizes this. And
1: like you said, the Packers, uh, yeah. I mean the Packers are leading in those other categories that the saints are last in. I mean, that's a, that's a problem.
0: Oh, 100%. 100% Aaron has to I mean if he if he wants to get if he wants to catch Russell in this MVP MVP race, he has to utilize this. This is his time to shine. This is
1: the worst defense in the NFL. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got to do it. I mean, he's and he's off to his maybe his best start of his career statistically. He's got 9 touchdowns, no picks. I mean, looking back at some of his other MVP years, you know, through 3 games, He's at five touchdowns, one pick. You know, he's at six touchdowns, one pick. Uh, he's, he's got a passer rating of you know like about a hundred right now. He's sitting at around one twenty three. Um, you know, he's he's throwing for great yardage. Uh, I mean, this is one of his best years so far. He looks he looks as good as ever, and and the stats prove that as well. And, and you talk about a guy like Russell Wilson who's already got fourteen touchdowns. I mean, that's tough. I mean, Rodgers. It's going to be based on, you know, whose team can do it uh, and have an impact on the winning aspect of it. And I'm not sure the Seahawks are a better football team than the Packers by any means. So, you know, this is going to be a battle till the end for the MVP race. And, and those two guys, Rodgers and Wilson, are, are definitely at the top.
0: Yeah, Brad. I'm. I mean, in this matchup, I'm kind of having <laughs> having a hard time trying to think of anything else to say. It's just. It, it's obvious what's going to happen. The Packers are the highest scoring offense in the league, and the Falcons' defense is the worst um, scoring defense in the league. It's just. It's written on the wall that this is going to be a high scoring game unless something absolutely weird happens. I I know the NFL is so unpredictable, but I feel like this is this is for sure going to happen. It's going to be a high scoring game. I expect thirty plus points by both teams. I mean, Brian, do you do you have any matchups maybe we can look at and kind of kind of go through?
1: Well, I definitely think this is a matchup for the Packers pass rush to to kind of get their act together a little bit and, and get to the quarterback. Matt Ryan is is far from mobile, and that offensive line is not not a good offensive line. It's one of the league's worst. Uh, so that's definitely a matchup I'm looking, I'm looking at for the Packers to exploit really it's, it's the, it's going to be the deciding factor that puts the Packers over the top uh, is if, if, if the defense can get to the quarterback, it eliminates what a lot of the things they can do, you know, deep down the field uh, and, and it'll give us the advantage in terms of our offense versus their defense and, uh, and their defense versus our offense. So it's going to give us, you know, obviously those are the two things like, it's going to be a high scoring game, you would think. But if the Packers defense can step up and, and, and sack, the quarterback and, and attack him all night long, then we might have an easier time out there on defense and, and our offense will kind of pick up that slack.
0: Yeah. I definitely think there's a higher chance that the Falcons score less than 30 points and the Packers score less than 30 points. I just think the, like you said, the pass rushes, I mean, we, we're yet to see a strong performance by them in the first three weeks and, you know this is the time to do it i mean i'm i'm thinking back the, the first thing that comes to my head is you know we had a fantastic team in 2014 and when we played teams like the falcons that you know had terrible defenses and you know kind of unsure about the offense we just demolished them i was i'm thinking about the eagles game the the panthers game both times the packers dropped 50 on both teams and you know just it was there was like 30 point blowouts this i want the packers The 2020 Packers would be the same as the 2014 Packers, regular season wise, and just you know use this game as a you know use the Falcons as a as like a you know a confidence booster. Just
1: yeah, I mean that you're right. Like it's we have to we have to show that we are gonna dominate a team with a bad defense like this. I mean I would love to score 50. Uh, That would be you know nobody in the NFL has scored 50 so far. I think we're one of the only teams to actually put 40 up on the board and we're averaging 40 points a game. Uh, So, you know, right now it's a lot of low-scoring games in the NFL around the 20s. If we can continue to put up above 40 points, you know, in the the high 30s, 40s, and if we can get to 50, I mean, that's going to be hard to stop, even against teams like, you know, like the Ravens or or other teams with great defenses like like uh actually there's not many teams that have you know sticking out have good defenses this year it's weird i don't know can you name a couple other teams that you know like you know have a good defense
0: i don't know if it's because they played the jets last week but the colts are actually like ranked first in a lot of categories defensively and i think the steelers yeah. <laughs> are do
1: like but <laughs> you're you're right though you're right i mean it's, it's so weird
0: like the colts i mean they got DeForest Buckner over the offseason, but I mean,
1: <laughs> they, they shouldn't be leading yeah. in yards allowed. I know it's I, I'm it's hard to even think of NFC teams that have, you know, the Saints were one of those teams that you thought, you know, has a great defense because of the way they've drafted the last few years and and their secondary. They've got Malcolm Jenkins there now, but we scored 37 points on them and it's hard to think of other teams like the, the Vikings were another team with a great defense last year that we tore up. Um, it's really hard to name teams besides the 49ers who we might have an issue with on defense, which is interesting because last year it seemed like we had to go against a couple really good defenses at times. Uh, Seattle's defense looks porous. Um, Chicago maybe is the other one that you would say, uh, we could have a tough time with, but at the same time we beat them twice last year and their defense hasn't changed much. So I don't know. I mean, wow. That's, that's, uh, we kind of just realized here that this is a, uh, this is a whole different league from last year. And, and the situation is now our offense is going to be better than pretty much every defense that we put out there or that other teams put out there against us.
0: Yeah. I just pulled up the the defensive stats yards wise. I mean, you were saying Seattle's defense is the poorest. They are last in the league in yards allowed by a good margin. I mean, it's them and the Falcons at the very bottom, actually. Funny to see. Wow. Yeah, but other than that, it's Colts Colts defense is is only allowed six hundred and seventy six yards. That's that's crazy. And there they wow. have so we, we
1: really don't have to worry about that. But then, the funny thing is Rogers has Rogers has thrown for I think eight hundred and eighty seven yards. And that and they so that's that's a really good number, I mean, impressive. for them. Yeah, because that that doesn't even that includes the running and the passing uh yardage. So that's impressive for sure. Yeah, they had uh,
0: Kirk Cousins in Week Two, kind of. I think he only threw a hundred something. I'm yeah. looking for NFC teams, and then the Niners are in third right now, and obviously they they're super depleted on the defensive side. They just lost Bosa and and Solomon Thomas for the year. Then they got the we got the Bucks at four and the Eagles at five. I mean, I don't think the Eagles are making. And I don't
1: right think, here. yeah, I don't think either of those defenses are phenomenal. No. I mean, the Eagles secondary, the Eagles secondary is is not great. Their run defense is good, but their secondary, they've got Darius Slay and a bunch of other guys that just aren't aren't good enough, I mean, to have to worry about. And then the Buccaneers secondary doesn't, you know, scare me in the slightest. They've got a couple good pass rushers with Shaq Barrett and other guys. But, I mean, that's just, wow. If you're talking about aspirations for the Packers this year, that's encouraging because you talk about defense wins championships. Well, in this case, no defense really matches up to what the Packers can do. Even the Chiefs defense is, is not not a great defense. And these are the the best teams in the league we're talking about. Um, our offense is going to have the advantage in all these matchups against even the best defenses in the NFL. Like, are we seeing a tide
0: switch in the NFL? Like, are offenses getting too overpowered for these defenses to put up, you know, good numbers? Are, I, the Niners last year were an exception. But, you know, now that you mention it, like this year, I just don't see any scary defenses that – Personally, like, I'm I would be scared for the Packers to go against honestly the Niners would have been, but you know, losing Bosa and and Solomon Thomas, and obviously other other key opponents of that defense, too. But
1: Buckner, they traded, they yeah, traded DeForest they, Buckner,
0: they're right. Yeah, um, I don't see any They've got a rookie of...
1: in there, right?
0: Yeah, wow, that's a good. I, I'm happy you brought that up because that's that's something we don't have to worry about, I guess. And unless obviously there's still 13 more games left in the season, but at this moment,
1: we'll see, somebody's going to step up. we yeah. will see teams step up and play better football. Yes. I, it could be us too. I mean, our defense could play better and to the point where we look like the best team in football, because our defense is showing up in combination of with what our offense is doing. Um, same thing with other teams, you know, like that could happen. Maybe the Buccaneers defense is, it plays really good for the whole season and that maybe they just, as a unit, play fantastic. And that's something we could see too. So we'll see that. But, I mean, I feel good about that individual Packers offense versus other teams' defenses matchup uh, because we seem to have the advantage in all of them.
0: Me too, Brian. Um, I mean, I just want get, to get to know your prediction for this week. Are we going to see, like, a 2018 Kansas City Chiefs-L.A. Rams Monday Night Football 54-51 score? Or are we going to see – Something a little less than that. What are, what are your thoughts? Uh,
1: I, I'm not going to go that far. I think the Packers defense has a good chance to play well um, against that O-line, that Falcons O-line. Uh, so And maybe the pass rush bounces back a little bit. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to give the Packers 45. I'm going to give the Packers 45, and I'm going to give Atlanta 27. Okay. I do think they're going to be able to score, you know, but I think the pass rush is going to have a bigger impact than it's had. In In the last three games, and it's gonna give us a decisive win
0: true. I just know how our defense gets when we get big leads. We tend to we tend to let the other team kind of creep up on the scoreboard, even though it wasn't that close. The scoreboard at the end of the game will show that it was a closer game, but um, yeah, I don't think I mean a lot of crazy things happen on Monday night, like the like the Chiefs Rams games a couple of years ago, the Fail Mary in twenty twelve the Antonio Freeman catch against the Vikings in overtime. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen, but, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to stick along your lines. I think Packers are going to put up 45, like you said, and then I'll go 35 for the Falcons. Like, like I said, they're going to score some garbage time touchdowns. You, you know how it goes.
1: All right, everybody, after a great discussion, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. Uh, Hopefully we'll be uh, back on after a Packers victory on the Monday night game against the Falcons. Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for following along all season long. Uh, And go Pack Go!